Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Masech this Yivamas Perak Vav, finishing the Perak with Mishnah Vav and moving on to Perak Zion Mishnah Aleph. And once we were discussing the laws of Pruruvu, of getting married, of the importance of, of having children, because we mentioned in the last Mishnah, a person cannot marry someone who is not allowed to have children unless he has other children, we're now going to explain this a little more. A person is not allowed to refrain from um, not having children. A man is not allowed to refrain from children. Unless they have other children. As in, if a person gets married, he has to have children unless he has other children. Now, what exactly, how do we define children? Two males. A male and a female. A, uh, it says God created male and female. So a person has to have a boy and a girl in order to fulfill this obligation. And obviously, there's additional mitzvah of to have multiple children to populate the world. But we're not going to be discussing that this mission. You have to see the Gemara there in order to understand how that works. So now we're going to learn halacha, which has not been practiced for many, many years, and why that is, it's beyond the scope of Mishnah Yomi. If a person marries a woman, and they don't have children for 10 years, he's not allowed to not have children, so she has to divorce her, and then he marries someone else. However, she can go and marry someone else, because we don't have to assume that the cause of the infertility was hers, maybe it was his. And the other guy also can live with her for up to 10 years. What happens if she, they, they're living together, they don't have any children, and then and she has at one point a miscarriage, a miscarriage unfortunately. We count for the, the uh, 10 years from the miscarriage, not from the beginning of the marriage. A woman is obligated in Puravu, not a woman. Uh, why is that? So there's a very famous comment from the Arsameach who points out that the Torah doesn't command things that are, that are too far beyond, too, too, too difficult. And therefore, the, for the man, having a child is fairly easy. For a woman, having a child is very difficult. So the Torah is not going to command a woman to have something that's so difficult for her. So, you know, she's not obligated in it. But the man is. No, it's, it's, on both of them, the Pasuk says, On both of them, it says, God bless them. God sets them to be fruitful and multiply. And since it's addressed to both Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, both are clearly obligated in the mitzvah. The Arsameach notwithstanding. Okay. Mishnah Aleph of Perak Zayin. We're going to return now to a very fun discussion of our Nixay Malug Nixay Tzom Barzal. If you recall way back when we learned it a few weeks ago, that was a woman brings property into her marriage, and some of that property she owns, her husband has rights to, and the con- but the consequence is that at the end of the uh, mar- if the marriage were to end, however it ends, she absorbs any loss, but also uh, acquires any gains. Just during the duration of the marriage, the husband has responsibility to take care of the property. Well, that's Nixim. Look, Nixim is the opposite. It actually goes to the husband, and any loss is his, any gains are his, and at the end, he just returns the, uh, the, the product that he, he had brought into, that was brought into the marriage. The Mishnah is now going to discuss is not just for land, but also for slaves, and its, its relevance for us is as follows. We mention a woman who is disqualified from marrying a Kohen, who marries a Kohen, is not allowed to eat truma. Not only is she not allowed to eat truma, her slaves are not allowed to eat truma. The implication here, obviously, is that a woman who is marries a Kohen, she can eat truma, and her slaves are allowed to eat truma as well. Our mission is now going to discuss what is the status of the the, uh, tr- the slaves that are nixim lug versus nixim barzel in terms of feeding them truma. And the reason it's complicated is because whether it's Nixim Luk or Nixim Barzal, whether the husband acquires them or only has rights to them, he's the one who's still obligated to maintain them and to feed them, right? We mentioned that with the property as well. He has to maintain the property. So can he feed them Truma? Because ultimately it's, it's benefiting him and not benefiting her. Amman of the Kohen Gadol. In the case where a, a widow marries a Kohen Gadol, not allowed. Grusha Chalutz the Kohen Hedyot, or a divorcee or Chalutz marries a Kohen Hedyot. 
And she brings into this marriage slaves that are some are tzom barzel and some are tzom are nechsim melug. Ovdi melug lo yachlo truma. Those the ovdi melug, those that are uh, are from melug cannot eat truma. Whereas ovdi tzom barzel could eat truma. Why is that? So we'll explain it right now. Beilhin ovdi melug. What what exactly is going on here? So ovdi melug, as we mentioned, the case there is they really belong to her. He has rights to them for the duration of the marriage. But if it may so, if they were to die. Uh, it's her loss. Let's say the increase in value. She gets that gain. In other words, the marriage. The, in other words, the husband just has rights to them. But he doesn't acquire them, and therefore, even though he has responsibility to feed them and to provide food for them, they may not eat truma because they're owned by his wife. In contrast, when it comes to the of the tzom barzel, it may if they were to die. It's his loss. If they gain, he gains from it. And therefore, since he's responsible for guaranteeing them, that is, he absorbs the loss. He can feed them truma since the responsibility primarily, uh, the responsibilities define him as the owner, and he can feed his own slaves. Truma, I wish you all an amazing and wonderful day.